1280 The Patriot, WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul, FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. A major cyber attack forcing an energy supplier to halt operations delivers roughly 45% of all fuel consumed on the East Coast. In a statement, Colonial Pipeline says it's contacted law enforcement and federal agencies about the attack and is working with a cybersecurity firm to understand and resolve the issue. The company says its primary focus is the safe and efficient restoration of service and to minimize disruption to customers. That is correspondent Ben Thomas reporting. In the meantime, criminal hackers are now using methods to trying to extort money from law enforcement agencies, including leaking or threatening to leak highly sensitive and potentially life-threatening information. Experts say the attacks underscore how little the criminal syndicates that operate ransomware are gangs, and they fear nothing. This is SRN News. These are the official rules for all contests on Salem Media Group and Salem Communications holding corporation stations in the Twin Cities. Collectively, Salem TC from time to time will conduct contests. No purchase necessary to enter or win. If for any reason a prize is not available, a substitute prize may be offered. Winners will be limited to one prize every 30 days. Winners of a major prize will be limited to one every 365 days. A major prize is any prize with a value of more than $1,000. Participants and winners must be U.S. residents that are responsible for any and all taxes. For full contest rules, see this station's website. You're listening to AM 1280, The Patriot. Weather for today, we got mostly sunny and a high of 60, moving in the partly cloudy and a low of 38 for tonight. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high of 55, moving in the mostly clear and a low of 37. Streaming on demand at am1280thepatriot.com, the Dinesh D'Souza podcast. You know him as a New York Times bestselling author and his filmmaking roles behind Hillary's America, Death of a Nation, and Trump Car, and more. Hear what he's up to today with the free Dinesh D'Souza podcast at am1280thepatriot.com. Views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with our number two of the broadcast we like to call the closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone call, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Just use hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And if you'd like to follow us on Facebook, feel free to do so. Just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and give us a like or follow. And I am live streaming the broadcast right now as we speak, so we have a comment section there as well. So if you'd like to weigh in via our comment section, you can also do that. And we thank you. Uh, for tuning in again, happy Mother's Day to uh, all you phenomenal moms out there. Uh, hope you're enjoying your beautiful day, beautiful day here in Minnesota anyways. I uh, want to take a, a shift in gears now to some national politics. And uh, who better to call on than our official political wonk, Matt Makoviak. Uh, he is uh, 
founder of the uh, co-founder of the Potomac Strategy Group and uh, Politics uh, Podcast. Check it out, M A C K Mac on Politics Podcast. Uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, and because Matt is so well connected, he gets some pretty powerhouse guests on there. So uh, it's always an enjoyable listen. Uh, Matt Mikoviak, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. How are you? Hey, Brad, I'm doing great. How you doing? Doing well, thank you. Uh, Matt, I did want to get you on. Obviously, I've been following along uh, what you've been enduring uh, in your home city of uh, Austin, Texas, for the better pattern of a year or so. Um, You can kind of fill us in, fill in the gaps here on the background of how this got started. But basically, uh, the uh, city allowed homeless people to camp out on sidewalks without fear of retribution, which technically city property, but sidewalks are obviously closely adjacent to people's private property, their homes. And you and many of your uh, fellow residents in Austin, Texas, became very concerned uh, with with these prospects to the point where you got a proposition, particularly specifically Proposition B, on the ballot, uh, making it a criminal offense for anyone to sit, lie down, or camp in public areas and prohibiting solicitation of money or other things. Uh, by any ma- metric, Matt Mikowiak, uh 58% passage is a very impressive number, but for a city uh, like Austin, Texas, which I think you would admit uh, is pretty left of center, a uh, very striking number. Yeah, thanks, Brett. I appreciate it. I uh, appreciate your interest in this campaign. I've been engaged in for, for now two years. Okay. I know it's a local issue in Austin, and um, you know, your audience up there in Minnesota has you know, other, other issues, particularly as it relates to public safety and police reform over the last couple of years. But, you know, look, this is a fight that's really not just about Austin, right? I mean, if you've traveled almost anywhere, you know, in the past, uh, you know, few years, if you've been to Los Angeles or Seattle or San Francisco or Portland or Honolulu or Chicago or D.C. or New York, you've seen, uh, you know, massive public uh, individuals around, our, around these cities and, and how it's destroying these cities. And it's happened in our city as well. So we did we did engage in a two-year campaign. Took a lot out of me. I don't feel 41 anymore. I feel 51. But uh, winning, winning, winning makes it all worth it. Sure. And at the end of the day, I'll just say, Brad, that our our you know our view from the beginning is that it's not too much to ask that we live in a safe and clean city for everyone. And that was really our motivation. Uh, you know, we don't believe the homeless are better off living under the highway or living. Right. On the median, on you know, on a busy road, and so we did launch what I would argue is the single most sophisticated campaign in the history of our city. Raised 1.75 million dollars in 10 weeks from 3,000 donors. Did more voter contact by a factor of 10 or even 20, probably than has ever been done. And we had a massive victory with you know probably 40 or 42 percent Democratic support, uh, 88 percent independent support, and 92 percent Republican support in a city that just has 21 percent Republicans, and mm. so. You know, it's actually a good time for me to be on on your show with you because I bet you sometimes people who live in Minneapolis think, "How can we ever turn things around?" Right. Well, we did it here in Austin, and I imagine the numbers in Austin are worse than they are in Minneapolis in terms of the overall makeup of the electorate. Okay. So it just takes relentlessness and a real plan, uh, and a focus and, a, and, a, and determination, and that's what we had. Now, how did this? How did it get to this particular point where the homeless were just allowed to? Was this a, an edict handed down by the mayor? Is this something the city council has to vote on? I mean, how did it get yeah. to this point in the first place? The council, yeah, the council passed the, the, the policy in okay. June of 2019. They did it very quietly. They did it over the express uh, objections of not just our police chief and the UT police chief, the University of Texas police chief, not just the, the uh, Greater Austin uh, uh, Chamber of Commerce, not just the Austin Alliance. 
so many groups who said, don't do this. Think this through. You're not ready. This is an extreme position. Be thoughtful. And they just moved, you know, they bulldozed it and, and went through it. And July 1st, 2019, when it took effect, the consequences were profound. And I'll just tell you how my activism got started. On July 17th, 2019, I started a petition online on change.org. That is how this started. And I had 10,000 signatures in a week and 25,000 in a month. And I became a reluctant sort of grassroots leader for what I always believed was a silent majority of Austinites who just wanted a safe and clean city for everyone. So that became a petition effort. It became a political action committee, and it became a significant victory eight days ago uh, when we really shook up our city and and accomplished something that uh, would have been very difficult to envision just as recently as three or six months ago. So now Prop B uh, has passed. What 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 happens now? I mean, does it just take does it just take immediate effect? Is there any other logistical items that need to be shored up here? Yeah, good question. So uh, it takes effect formally on Monday, May 11th. I think that's Monday, or maybe that's Tuesday. It's it's May 11th. Okay, I what day it is? I guess today's the ninth. So that'd be Tuesday. Um, Tuesday, May 11th, it'll take effect, but it doesn't. It's not immediate. It's not like they're going to immediately. Uh, you know, punish people who are camping. They're going to give them some time to make plans and to move and to figure out what else they want to do. Hopefully they're going to be getting into homeless shelters, which have had 25% capacity for more than a year due to COVID. That needs to go up to 100%. They need to vaccinate the entire homeless population and get them back in homeless shelters. They need to get them into transitional housing. They need to get them into uh, facilities run by nonprofits like uh, Salvation Army, like Mobile Loaves and Fishes, a Community First Village, like Camp Esperanza, the state campground that the other one's foundation runs. I know these names don't mean anything to you and your listeners, uh, but but these are these are opportunities that are there. Now I'm not going to pretend that there's enough, uh, you know, available space for everyone who's here. Sure. But we doubled our homeless population from 2,500 to 5,000 over the last, uh, you know, since July 1st of 2019 when this policy took effect, and we couldn't continue to see that po- that that, that uh, population grow as rapidly as it is. Homelessness is a vexing, complicated problem. Right. It does not lend itself to quick and easy solutions. And the one thing you can't do is make the problem bigger. And that's what the city of Austin has been doing the last two years. And that's why we were so committed to winning this battle for our city. Yeah. And wasn't it, uh, wasn't it your city's mayor that caught uh, uh, handing down COVID mandates from Cabo San Lucas? Wasn't that your mayor? I mean, uh, kind of a rough rough PR moment for him. (laughs) We call him Cabo Steve, Cabo Steve Adler for that, for that reason, gets a hashtag. It's, 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 you know, it's one of the things that'll be uh, always part of his legacy. Yeah. The, the disconnect required, you know, for, for saying you can't travel because of COVID, you have to wear a mask at all times, including outdoors. You can't meet, in groups of larger than 10 at any one time while he's doing that from a fabulous location in, in, in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, is not lost on anyone. But that's really not the issue. It's not a matter of whether he's, a, whether he's you know, phony or not. It's a matter of whether the policy they put in place was, was damaging our city. It was making public safety worse, public health worse, sure. making tourism worse, affecting every neighborhood, every major intersection, uh, every restaurant, every hotel, every, you know, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, it's just, it's astounding that at some point, you know, you can possibly still think this policy should continue, but you should understand this, Brad, for you and your listeners, nine out of 10 members of the city council and the mayor opposed what we were doing. Mm, wow. so they wanted to continue a 42% position that was failing our city and failing the homeless. And so it just does remind you that you've got to fight these battles, right? Right. If you feel like you, if you live in Minneapolis, you live somewhere else in Minnesota and you feel like you're not, your voice is not being heard. You've got to get involved as a grassroots activist. And if you can't do it, go find someone who can and support them. A lot of people are busy. A lot of people don't want the headaches and the backlash. And I understand that. But 
But you just, I don't know. I don't accept uh, insane policies in, play, in, in a city that I live and love, that I've lived in since 1984. And that's why we fought for two years to get this victory. And it was immensely satisfying, but we're not done. Absolutely. Well, yeah, very, kudos to you. And I know you had, a, obviously, a lot of help, uh, uh, yep. all, all hands on deck, boots on the ground, whatever it took. And, uh, yeah, uh, like I say, 58% by any metric, uh, definitely an impressive victory. Um, speaking of your home state of Texas, Matt McCoviak, it been, it's been a few months now since uh, Governor Abbott lifted pretty much all of the uh, COVID restrictions, to much to the dismay of uh, even the President of the United States, I think, referred to it as uh, Neanderthal thinking. Uh, how has your state uh, been holding up uh, since a lot of those mandates have been lifted? Has there been uh, bodies piling up like cords of wood, like some people uh, predicted, Matt McCoviak? No, and I will say, I mean, that was a risky decision the governor made at the time. Sure. Um, I, I, su- I supported it. He wanted to, to get away from a statewide mandate. He wanted to reopen restaurants and bars to 100%. And, and honestly, it's, it, it, the decision could not have worked out better. And the predictions of you know, people, bodies piling up, as you said, which I think Beto O'Rourke or some other irresponsible Democrat made those claims, have not only not materialized, if anything, in fact, it's been exactly the opposite. Our numbers have almost never been better. We're under 5% positivity rate right now. Our hospitals are doing great. Our vaccination numbers continue to rise. I think we're at 75% of all senior citizens now. Uh, I forget the number of overall vaccinations, but I believe we're ahead of California. If we're not, we're just barely behind them. So we still have some work to do, but but everything they predicted hasn't happened. And in the meantime, our economy is doing very, very, very well. Good. Uh, now, there's a lot of damage over the last year, year and a half. Well, people are, are hurting, but we are now back, and we are coming back fast and furious, and that's a very good thing for people who want to make a living and people who want to risk capital. Now, uh, is Governor Abbott running for re-election? I guess I should ask you yes. that up front. Okay. And I ask that because I know there were some more staunch conservatives who were saying, look, we appreciate Governor Abbott lifting all these restrictions, but he shouldn't take too big a victory lap, pat himself on the back too much, because he was the one who implemented these restrictions despite significant opposition from a lot of the states. So uh, how does that factor in coming up? Does he have really, I guess, any serious opposition on the uh, on the Republican side? Uh, we're not aware of any announced or serious primary opposition. Okay. Uh, there's been some chatter that our state chair, Alan West, uh, who at one time I, I, I kind of liked but, but really have come to, to, to really not respect. Mm. Uh, he's been doing you know protests at the, cap, at the uh, governor's mansion with Alex Jones and Infowars oh, and just other crazy things, yeah. calling our speaker a traitor and other crazy things that are uh-huh. just not helpful and not productive. But, no, Abbott's in good shape. I mean, it's going to be an interesting race. We'll see if Beto O'Rourke challenges him and raises a lot of money. But uh, the governor's done a very good job under very difficult circumstances. He has broad support, not just among Republicans, but around our state. I think he's going to win a decisive re-election victory in what will be a very positive electoral environment for Republicans. Fantastic. Uh, Matt, we need to take a quick break. Are you able to hold for just one final segment with us? Yes, sir. Okay, Matt McCoviak uh, joining us. Uh, we're going to talk a little uh, GOP House uh, congressional dysfunction uh, when we come back and maybe uh, try to uh, look ahead to the uh, uh, Senate races, some key Senate races coming up in 2022. And, hey, if you'd like to weigh in, 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. And we're doing a live stream at the Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page as well. Brad Carlson, the closer, back with another segment with Matt McCoviak. Go nowhere. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide.
Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-884-9018. Do you get an icy cold shower every time the dishwasher runs? Either your water heater's on its last legs or it's not built for the demands of your household. Call the water heater experts at Air Mechanical. They'll help you see if a repair will do the trick or you need a replacement. Whether it's a tankless or traditional tank-style heater, Air Mechanical will install what you need. Newsflash, mosquitoes, and the sweltering Minnesota summer heat will be here soon. Is your air conditioner ready? Schedule your AC tune-up now with one of Air Mechanical's professional technicians. Save 15% off this and other services when you become an Air Mechanical Total Solutions member. Total Solutions membership allows you to choose what you want to cover for just $10 a month. Family-owned and operated since 1985, call Air Mechanical or schedule online at thinkami.com. That's thinkami.com. For the life of your home, visit thinkami.com. Did you know that the Patriot mobile app can do more than just stream your favorite shows? Here's cool feature number one. You can set an alarm on our app that will automatically start streaming the Patriot at whatever time you decide. It's easy. Just open the menu in the upper left-hand corner, select Alarm, and choose a time. You can set it to wake you up in the morning with Hugh Hewitt or any of your favorite hosts. Download the free AM 1280 The Patriot app today. You listen every day. I never miss it. So now it's time for you to join the conversation. Who, me? Like AM 1280 The Patriot on Facebook and share your thoughts with like-minded conservatives. You can also enter to win prizes, learn about upcoming events, and more. Welcome back, AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Here to take your calls at 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Hashtag Narn Show. Hashtag N-A-R-N Show. For any comments or questions, always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, talking with our political wonk, Matt Makoviak. Again, check out his fine podcast at Mac on Politics. That's M-A-C-K, Mac on Politics, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Uh, Matt, I want to take uh, shift gears here a little bit to uh, to the uh, I guess the goings on in Congress, specifically the U.S. House uh, power struggle uh, there with uh, Liz Cheney, who is currently the uh, chair of the GOP conference, uh, butting heads with among other people, uh, Minority Leader uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, she survived a uh, leadership vote in January after voting for impeachment of a uh, former president Trump. But now it seems like a power struggle specifically we, she responded to Trump saying, Hey, anybody who embraces 
that the 2020 election was stolen is a big lie, whereas Trump refers to the 2020 election itself as a big lie. Um, Despite the fact Cheney votes more in line with Trump than her possible successor, New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, uh, it seems like she's going to be ousted as a result. Does this just seem like more of a cult of personality than anything, Matt Mikoviak, or are there some deeper issues that are kind of causing this power struggle? Yeah, I imagine there's some deeper stuff going on below the surface. There's a Washington Post story last night that popped this morning about kind of how the sort of war she's been on internally to try to sort of separate the party from Trump and, and to con- kind of confront his effect on the party in swing districts, which uh, which she claimed was being kept out of their polling briefs at the NRC, NRCC, National Republican Congressional Committee. Look, the issue here is you can't be the number three Republican. Who's in charge of messaging for the entire Republican conference as conference chair? Yep, and be and be as um, isolated as she is on on this issue of January sixth, and really more to the point, the issue of impeachment. Um, look, she survived a leadership challenge in January, and right. she did it with the support of leadership. And if she'd stopped talking about this and focused to trying to defeat Biden's agenda and save the country, which is where her focus should be, uh, she'd she'd remain in leadership. But I, I actually feel to me like she has a bit of a sort of career death wish here because she's doing things that don't seem very bright and she's a very bright person i have a, I have a high degree of respect for liz cheney and i have a high degree of respect for the cheney family um i don't understand what she's doing here um i have prob- deep problems you know significant problems with what trump did on january 6th of course but 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 to me the question of impeachment was absurd uh and and it, that vote is indefensible and keep talking about it now does nothing but help Democrats. And that's a point Jim Jordan made this morning. I forget if he was on Fox News Sunday or somewhere else. Somewhere else. But we cannot have a House Republican conference chair in leadership who is utilizing you know, Democratic talking points on a day-to-day basis. You just can't do it. That's just not, not the role. She can be in Congress. She can represent Wyoming. She can vote her conscience and work on behalf of her constituents and advance conservatism in whatever way she wants. Being in leadership is a privilege. And that privilege is going to be taken away on Tuesday, and I do believe at least Stefanik will win, and it might even be a unanimous vote. Do you buy into? I, I, there's also been kind of a, a backstory regarding all this that it's you know it's more than just the anti-Trumpism. I mean, certainly that is a factor, but do you also buy into uh, the, I guess, the theory or chanting point, whatever you want to call it, that because today's Republican Party is more hesitant to get involved in long-term conflicts overseas, particularly the yep. Middle East, and that she yep. is more inclined to want to continue the operations in Afghanistan, that that, too, is, is causing a significant rift? I do think that's part of it, yes. Um, I think they're using the impeachment issue as a way to, to remove one of the stronger hawks in the conference and in the party. And that's a shame because, look, I'm in support of getting out of forever wars. Sure. I'm not in support of making America weaker. And right. I do think there's, there's a distinction there I think that needs to be made. We, we need a strong military. We need uh, a nuclear deterrent. Uh, we need uh, effective diplomacy. We need moral clarity. Well, I, I was just with Mike Pompeo. Tw- I've been with Mike Pompeo twice in the last five weeks, both in Austin. And as I look at the record the Trump administration had on foreign policy and national security, and when I look at the, 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 the kind of messages that he's conveying at this point about the risks of China, the risks the Biden foreign policy poses, I think we need more Liz Cheney, not fewer. I really do on those issues. And she's going to remain an important voice in national security and foreign policy. She's just not going to be part of leadership. And that's okay. Only four or five people can be in leadership. You've know, you got 200 others who are still going to be effective members of Congress if they choose to be. 
And I think she will be, but that is part of this power struggle. There's no question. Kind of want to take a uh, way too early uh, projection, I guess, in the 2022 Senate races. Uh, some key Republicans uh, not seeking re-election in uh, four states, particularly uh, Rob Portman in Ohio, Pat Toomey, Pennsylvania, uh, Richard Burr, North Carolina, and Roy Blunt in Missouri. Um, from everything I've been reading, Matt, Ohio and Missouri seem pretty solid uh, Republican, yep. but uh, the concerns are Pennsylvania and maybe uh, North Carolina. I, I guess first question any uh, speculation on the candidates that are going to be running these races and how, uh, I mean, how vulnerable are Republicans, would Republicans be in those particular states? Yeah, I think Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Wisconsin are all three really tough. Okay. Um, and, and that doesn't mean they can't do it. I mean, they, they can do it. They're going to have to have the right nominee. And I, I hope Scott Walker runs Wisconsin if Ron Johnson doesn't. I don't think he will, but I hope he will. Really? Uh, if not, there may be some members of Congress. Yeah, I think Scott Walker's a smart, smart guy. He knows being executive. Well, oh, 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 let me back up there. You think Ron Johnson may not run again? Uh, Rick Scott said at an event I was at on Friday, the Senate, Republican Senator Campaign Committee said he does expect that, that uh, Ron Johnson will run again, but he has not said so yet. Okay. And so we'll have to see what happens. But either way, I, I, think, I actually think Scott Walker would be stronger than Ron Johnson. But we'll see. Uh, Ron Johnson can certainly win. Uh, North Carolina is up in the air. Uh, there are a couple members of Congress running. Uh, there was some talk that Laura Trump, the daughter of the former president, might run. That Apparently that talk is cooling to some extent. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think uh, Richard Hudson would be my number one choice in North Carolina, member of Congress, a friend of mine, just an amazing member of Congress, great guy, uh, would be a fantastic member of the United States Senate and could win. Uh, you mentioned uh, Pennsylvania. That's more of a jump ball. You know, Toomey has been able to swim upstream twice after being targeted in a state that, to be, if we're going to be honest, has been trending away from us. Now, I think that state can trend back right. uh, in a midterm election with a good political environment. We'll have to see what, what develops there in terms of the, the candidates. I'm excited about Georgia. Uh, Latham Sadler, name you're going to hear about, Navy SEAL, worked on Trump's National Security Council, young guy. Down syndrome brother, strong Christian, Georgia undergrad, Georgia Tech grad school. Check him out if you're out there listening. Check out Latham Sadler, S-A-D-D-L-E-R. He's okay. going to be a rising star. You're going to learn a lot about He's going to defeat, I believe, Raphael Warnock in Georgia, which is going to be, I think, the single most important U.S. Senate seat next year. We have opportunities in other places. New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, the governor, may run. If so, I think he can win. Arizona, if Governor Doug Ducey runs, he can win. We'll see what happens in Nevada. There's other states as well. But it's going to be a... A really crucial, you know, deal. And of course, if the Democrats win two new seats, they can get rid of the filibuster because then, uh, then the two uh, senators that are holding right now, Mansion and Cinema, uh, would be would be irrelevant. So we have to make sure that Democrats either win one seat or there's a better outcome than that. Perhaps a neutral or perhaps Republicans even taking the Senate back. I think all those outcomes are possible right now, Brad. Just depends a lot on recruiting and the political environment next year. Now, you talk about, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Georgia and Arizona. Obviously, you know, when you're looking at the map, really those three states you mentioned, Arizona, New Hampshire, and Georgia, are really the only realistic opportunities where Republicans have for pickups. But uh, specifically, uh, Arizona and Georgia, 2020 was not favorable if you were a Trump Republican. So with your saying that uh, this uh, candidate that's running in Georgia, who I definitely sound very intrigued by, is... Uh, obviously would be part of the Trump camp. Uh, does that have an adverse impact? Uh, it could. You know, it, it'll depend. I don't think Trump is going to be, um, you know, ha- have negative uh, sort of consequences for candidates 
2022 to the same extent he did in 2020 in swing areas. Okay. Yeah, it'll depend a lot. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a referendum on Biden in the direction of the country. It's not going to be a referendum on Trump. Trump hasn't been in office for two years at that point. They're going to try to tile these candidates to Trump, but I don't think it's going to be as effective. It's going to be about where's the economy? Where are we on, on, on reopening? Where are we on mask mandates? Where are we on schools? Where are we on vaccines? You know, that's going to be where are we on taxes and the economy and jobs, right? All, that's what's going to drive all this. And I would add to that the border, the border crisis, which they seem, you know, totally unwilling to even 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 admit yes. is a problem, let alone try to address in a, in a fundamental way uh, the humanitarian crisis on the southern border. So I'm bullish. I'll be honest with you. I think the House is definitely going Republican. I think we could have a 20 or 30 and 40 seat swing. And in the Senate, I think it's going to be an absolute, you know, you know, knife, knife fight in a phone booth. It's going to be really close. Two, or two you know, one or two seats, one direction or the other, and the stakes couldn't be higher. But if we hold the House and they get rid of the filibuster, they can't do everything they want to do. That is why the House is so crucial. It is the yes. bulwark that protects us in case Democrats win a net of two seats or more. Yeah, and, and that's a great point on the border is uh, uh, Democrat Senator Mark Kelly out of Arizona uh, expressed his disappointment with President Biden not even broaching the issue in his address to the joint session of Congress. So you can tell that uh, he's very, uh, I mean, he's worried about his reelection prospects, to be sure, but uh, obviously being in a border state, how incredibly crucial that issue will be? Yeah, I mean, it's a disaster. And, I mean, it's, it's one thing for him to express disappointment. As I said on Twitter, it's another, another thing for him to actually do something meaningful. Yeah. He's a sitting United States senator. If he wanted, he could put a hold on all of Biden's cabinet nominees until they do something. That's true. He's not doing that. He's playing game, word games and, and pretending like he cares, but he doesn't. Uh, I mean, that's just my, my view on it. I hate to be too, too harsh about it, but I mean, this crisis on the border is a thousand times worse than people realize. Right? We're, we're basically providing funding to the cartels by encouraging uh, this, this life-threatening trek up through Mexico where women are being raped, where children are dying, where they're traveling on top of trains. It's absolutely horrific right. what's happening, and it's taxing our border patrol, it's taxing our border communities, it's taxing our public uh, education systems. It's ta- taxing our health systems. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable and unconscionable to do this. Yeah, sorry to, to try to bring in. Sorry to cut in, Matt. Vote. We got one of those hard breaks. We appreciate your time as always, yep. and uh, have a great rest of the day. Thanks. Shortly after college, my friend Amy and I began dreaming of a place for adults and children with developmental disabilities to experience nature, a place where they could connect with community and have meaningful work through farming. 21 Roots Farm is home to a variety of farm animals, cows, donkeys, alpacas, goats, and chickens, an apple orchard, and a vegetable garden. Through high-quality nature and agriculture-based programs, people of all ages with developmental disabilities can experience the wonders of agriculture and literally eat the fruits of their labor. By fostering connections that are rooted in real life, we provide opportunities, resources, and support that encourages all people to tend to their gifts and harvest their full potential. Check out our summer programs and other opportunities to get involved at 21rootsfarm.org. There's something for everyone. Visit 21rootsfarm.org to find your place on the farm. Dreams can come true at 21rootsfarm.org. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal. 
And now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com. Call 800-500-8384. relieffactor.com. Hi, this is Matthew with the Kingdom Builders. I've been thinking lately about the biblical principle of headship. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. One way to think about headship or authority is like an umbrella. If you're under a good authority figure, it's like standing under an umbrella during the rain. It's your job to stand under the umbrella, and it's the umbrella's job to protect you from the rain. Biblical authority is like a good umbrella. It won't leak or move, and it provides shelter. Our job as believers is to submit to biblical authority figures God has placed in our life, as long as it doesn't go against God's Word. Here at the Kingdom Builders, we don't sell umbrellas, but we do install shingle roofs. If you have a roofing need or want to talk about God's Word, please give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up at thekingdombuilders.com. Welcome back, AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Didn't get a chance to properly thank our uh, guest, Matt Mikowiak, political wonk. Always has fantastic stuff to say, but it's those hard breaks. we got to hit them, and so we appreciate Matt's time. Again, check out his fantastic work on his uh, podcast, Mac on Politics. That's M-A-C-K, Mac on Politics. Just do a Google search or just do a search for Mac on Politics wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. He always has some hard-hitting guests. I don't know how he managed to do it. I mean, like I say, he's been he's been an uh, integral part of that Prop B campaign in his home city of Austin, Texas, and still managed to crank out a couple of podcasts a month, uh, in addition to, well, running a business with P- uh, Potomac Strategy Group. So, uh, yeah, we um, yeah, it's uh, it's always great to hear from him. And, uh, you know, pretty bullish on the Republicans' prospects for the midterms as far as taking back Congress, um, particularly the House. They have to absolutely take back the House because the Senate is still very much in peril. And, um, you know, if they if the Republicans have the House, uh, I would the Democrats really want to get rid of the filibuster, even though uh, there would be no legislation favorable to them that would even get to the Senate if the Republicans had the House? I don't know. But um, definitely feeling good about um, the uh, candidate out of Georgia, who I'm going to have to uh, uh, actually do a little research on. Uh, through Matt's uh, recommendations. So uh, going to have to do some research on that. Uh, uh, Reverend Warnock, Senator Warnock, is absolutely very vulnerable, uh, having won a um, a special, or the uh, runoff, runoff, we should say. So I uh, do want to get to some uh, other topics. Before we do, we want to get to uh, Dan's phone call on line one. Dan from Hopkins is calling. Dan, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, Brad. Thanks for putting on the show, and thanks for having my, taking my call. Yes, sir. Um you know, I, I don't hear a lot of talk on conservative radio about what's going on in Maricopa County. And all of us, um, you know, America-loving patriots 
and Trump-loving patriots, of course, um, and God-fearing, of course, too. We want to see the truth come out about the allegations that the you know conservatives have made against the um, the system. I don't know what other words to use the, the corrupt system that we've seen throughout the country concerning the Dominion voting machines, underage voters, illegal voters, multiple voters, dead voters. And um, so, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I'm very confident that they're going to come up with some earth-shaking news, and hopefully the whole house of cards the Democrats have constructed will come tumbling down. Yeah, I think, yeah, appreciate the call, Dan. I, I honestly, I've been seeing some scuttle on this about uh, Twitter. The, uh, I don't know if it's the Arizona Republican Party or who that it was actually funding this recount in Maricopa County, which if someone is able to fund it, they have every right to do. But uh, the fact that there were some people in the Biden administration expressing their concern uh, about this um, kind of tells you that it's uh, probably not favorable to them. And again, uh, that's that's what we've been calling for since the election. I mean, I'm not like Dan. I don't believe that uh, the the election was stolen from Trump, but I do believe that there was some shenanigans that were taking place. There was some things that needed to be addressed uh, in order to ensure that there isn't any questions going forward. And that's why a lot of the states, particularly Florida and Texas and Georgia, took the onus to pass uh, voter laws to strengthen voter integrity. And, of course, when progressives say that they're uh, undermining people's right to vote, you know that uh, the voting laws are on the right track. Uh, but as far, yeah, as far as Arizona specifically, I've had John Gabriel on the broadcast before. He's the editor-in-chief of Ricochet and lives in Arizona and said, yeah, that there was definitely some shenanigans taking place in Arizona and that had to get rooted out. Now, um, what this will, what results this will yield, and what results will be made public, I don't know. We'll keep an eye on it. But like I say, um, the fact that there were some members of the Biden administration kind of pushing back or showing concern uh, that this was even going on uh, was was pretty telling. So uh, appreciate the phone call, Dan. I want to uh, shift gears a little bit. Um, I I really wasn't interested in talking too much. Uh, about Trump now that he's no longer president. I mean, to be perfectly honest, after what happened at the Capitol, the U.S. Capitol, January 6th, I pretty much wasn't interested in another thing he had to say the final two weeks uh, of his administration. But, you know, if you thought uh, Trump was going to go gently into that good night, think again. I knew it wasn't going to happen. And even though he's banned from Twitter and Facebook's oversight board ruled this past week they were not going to reinstall or reinstate his account. Um, he is, he's got a website and I on a, uh, donaldjtrump.com and I'm on the, I don't know how I got on the save America political action committee, uh, email list, but they typically, uh, share Trump's statements. And I'll read this one that took play that he put out last Wednesday. Warmonger Liz Cheney, who has virtually no support left in the great state of Wyoming, continues to unknowingly and foolishly say there was no election fraud in the 2020 presidential election, when in fact the evidence, including no legislative approvals as demanded by the U.S. Constitution, shows the exact opposite. Had Mike Pence referred the information on six states, only need two, back to state legislatures, and had gutless and clueless minority leader Mitch McConnell he blew two seats in Georgia that should have never been lost, fought to expose all of the corruption that was presented at the time with more found since. 
We would have had far different presidential result, and our country would not be turning into a socialist nightmare. Never give up. I, I predicted this kind of rhetoric would happen from Trump, that he would completely wash his hands and absolve himself of any responsibility whatsoever. And I'm referring specifically to Georgia. I mean, I will never vote for Donald Trump again. I'm putting that the cards on the table right now. If Donald Trump runs for any elected office where I have a chance to vote for, I will vote against him or not vote for that office at all. He will never receive my vote again. I'm laying that on the table right now. Because what he did to sandbag the Georgia runoff elections is how the Republicans got thrust down to the minority party in the Senate. When all they had to do was just win one of those seats, they would have maintained the majority. But the week of the runoffs, Trump is buying ad space on Georgia radio saying how the election was stolen from him and basically undermining confidence in the electoral system down in Georgia. And as a result, all of these Georgia Republican voters stayed home. They said, well, why should we bother to vote if it's going to end up being stolen? It wasn't stolen. Trump lost. Arizona and Georgia, where Republicans never lose presidential elections or rarely ever lose, they were a lot closer than they needed to be. And as Hugh Hewitt says, if it's not close, they can't cheat. There Again, as Dan alluded to in his phone call, there's some shenanigans afoot down in Arizona. Whether it was enough to swing the election to Biden, I, I have my doubts. But we'll wait to see how it plays out. But the point is, Trump was a net negative in Georgia in 2020. That's just a fact. He lost. Whereas every other Republican that ran, every other other right-of-center candidate that ran got 50-plus percent of the vote. Now, David Perdue got 49.85% of the vote on Election Day, but the Libertarian candidate got like 2-3%, so it prevented David Perdue from getting 50% plus one. But because so many Republican voters stayed home during the runoffs, both David Perdue and Kelly Leffler, Republicans, lost their Senate seats. That's because of Donald Trump. So this idea that he's going to blame Mitch McConnell for losing those Senate seats, it's disgusting. And it's just wrong. But I called it. I called it. I said he is going to absolve himself of, of responsibility of this, even though he was the one sowing mistrust in that election system down there, buying ad space on radio, saying how corrupt the the election cycle was down there, and 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 saying Brad Raffensperger's brother worked for a Chinese tech firm, and that's why that they were trying to undermine Trump's uh, election prospects is because Raffensperger's brother's connected to China, and therefore he's in the in the in bed with China, and they would rather side with China than with Trump. And then Governor Brian, and then constantly telling Brian Governor Governor Brian Kemp down there in Georgia, to call a special session when there was nothing to be accomplished in a special session. Nothing was going to happen in a special session. They weren't constitutionally bound to do anything. And so he he has the, he, I, I mean, I shouldn't be that outraged by it. This is who Trump is. It's like, where does he get the unmitigated gall to do this? But this is who he is. This is who he is. And by the way, you you want to throw Mitch McConnell under the bus? You want to continue to take shots at Mitch McConnell? and call him an SOB, a cowardice SOB, or whatever other names you called him, you could argue that it was because of Mitch McConnell that Trump even won in 2016. Why do I say that? Because Mitch McConnell made a commitment that the Republican majority was not going to take a hearing, was going to hold no hearings, take no votes on any 
replacement for Antonin Scalia. Remember when Antonin Scalia died in early 2016? Mitch McConnell said the next president is going to determine that vacancy. Well, the next president was either going to be Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. And right then and there, you could say enough hesitant Republicans slash conservatives said, you know what? I don't like Trump, and I think he'll be an unmitigated disaster as president, but you know what? The list of Supreme Court justices that he's put out to replace Scalia are a heck of a lot better than anybody who Hillary Clinton would put out. So, yeah, I would vote for Donald Trump just for the Supreme Court alone. There have been there were several people that said that. That said, I would have never voted for Trump were it not for the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court was that important. But guess what? It would not even have been in play had Mitch McConnell said no hearings, no votes. And as a result, Trump, you could argue, that was the catalyst that put him over. Because key states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, he barely won. He barely won those states. Okay? Was the Supreme Court issue a factor? You could argue it probably was. So this idea that he's going to lambast Mitch McConnell when you could make a solid case again that it was McConnell responsible to put Trump over the top, okay, in spite of Trump himself. But, you know, again, uh, what he did to undermine the election in, in Georgia, costing the Republicans those two Senate seats, uh, I'm never voting for Donald Trump again for any elected office whatsoever. I'm, I'm throwing, put the cards on the table. All right. I know I, I always kept it close to the vest in 2016 and 2020, okay, where I gave the impression, a lot of people got the impression I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I never supported him, but once I got in the voting booth, I, I just something came over me. I said, well, he's still not going to win Minnesota, but I'll vote for him anyways. And I voted for him in 2020 because I felt like he'd have been a lot better than Joe Biden. And I still believe his economic policies would be a lot better for this country right now than Joe Biden's. But he has no one but himself to blame for this. And the fact that he has zero, zero ability to be introspective is a lot of the reason why the country is in the shape it is now. And Donald Trump, the fact that he can't be introspective, I think, um, says a lot about him and his character. So I wasn't planning on talking about this. But uh, again, when I saw this email come across, it's like, man, I can't I can't let this go. Some things I just can't let go. Six, five, one. 289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show. Brad Carlson, the closer, with one final segment coming back on the broadcast. Go nowhere. AM 1280, The Patriot. Cool voiceover. Zany sound effect. Uh, we were going to write a flashy promo about streaming us at radio.com, but considering how easy it is to do, we'll keep it simple, too. Listen to The Patriot on the free radio.com app. Few moments bring you joy like opening your inbox after you've done your taxes, clicking the subject line, and reading that one email you've been waiting for so... What? Someone already filed my return? During tax season, your personal info, like your name or social security number, is all right there on your tax forms, possibly getting emailed and shared more than usual. And that could leave you exposed to identity thieves. Good thing LifeLock monitors your personal info, alerts you to possible suspicious activity, and if you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. 
but LifeLock helps you keep what's yours. Join today and save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code SMART. That's promo code SMART for 25% off at LifeLock.com. Warning, warning, warning. Once you taste the Rack Shack's Patriot Burger, other burgers will never measure up. Hey, I'm Nick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot, and we've partnered with my friend Keith Hitner Sr. from the Rack Shack Barbecue to create a burger worthy of the Patriot name. It's a half-pound burger that's red, white, and blue through and through. American cheese on top, and the American flag proudly waves over the bun. The Patriot Burger comes with your choice of any of our delectable sides, like our famous hand-cut fries, all just for $12.80. Best burger in town as far as I'm concerned, and it's $12.80 anytime, any day. Try today at the Rack Shack Barbecue at the Cedar Cliff Center at Nichols and Cliff in Egan. Be careful. Once you try a Patriot Burger, you may never go back to a regular burger. That's the Rack Shack Barbecue at RackShackBarbecue.com. Get that Rack Shack attack. Rack Shack Barbecue. Alexa, how do I fix a circuit breaker that keeps tripping? Yeah, that sounds like something to save for the professionals. You need to call Early Bird Electric. Their expertise is troubleshooting and rewires. They're offering a free service call with purchased repair. Get same-day service and a lifetime craftsmanship warranty. Early Bird Electric. Call. 612 The Bird. Early Bird Electric. 612 The Bird. Join the Patriot Freedom Fan Club for prizes, contests, quizzes, and more. Plus, get exclusive access to pre-sale tickets to events. It's free to join. So visit am1280thepatriot.com today. Welcome back, AM twelve eighty, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network, with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning in. One final segment on the broadcast. Only have a few minutes left, so we want to uh, move on. Before we do, uh, Bob from Shoreview is on line one. Bob, go ahead. You're on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Oh yeah, I was just thinking about what you said about the two candidates that lost. I mean, don't you think a lot of people reasoned that? Yeah, they'll cheat uh, to get rid of Trump because they hate him so much. But for these other two candidates, they probably wouldn't do that. You know, their vote would be counted. It would be valid. Well, what do you think about that? Are you, uh, I'm not sure I understand your question. Do you, You're saying that people thought that that's why that was the reason to stay home is because they thought their vote wouldn't count? Um. People stayed home because they thought their vote wouldn't count for them, you know, those two candidates. But Trump is a different story. They hated him so much and wanted to get rid of him that they would only cheat for him, for Trump. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, like they, they would say it doesn't apply to us, so we might as well go ahead and vote because they're not going to pull that stuff with us. Well, Republicans, I mean, in the two runoffs for the Senate seats, Republicans overwhelmingly stayed home, particularly in Marjorie Taylor Greene's congressional district. And she's, of course, the biggest uh, Trump fan of all of the congressional delegation in Georgia. So uh, Republicans absolutely stayed home. And I think and thanks for the call, Bob. I think you can absolutely attribute it to the fact that uh, Trump so distrust in the electoral system, which, you know, again, uh, we can argue that. Uh, you know, to your point, Bob, they were only going to oust Trump 
But that didn't even make sense why people would just oust Trump, but then not the people that could actually uh, be the firewall against overturning his agenda. But then once Biden got in and the Democrats had a slight majority in the Senate, I mean, they haven't been able to get it in their progressive utopia. That's true. But some of these out of control spending bills, because you only need to pass those via reconciliation, those would get through. Whereas if we had the Senate majority, the Republicans, that is, they wouldn't have. So it ended up um, hurting them a lot more uh, than we would have liked. So I appreciate the call, Bob. Thanks, as always. I did want to get to this final story about the Derek Chauvin trial. Apparently, they are going to go ahead and and file an appeal of his guilty verdict on second-degree murder. I don't think they're going to file the appeal to say, you know, because they believe he's innocent. I believe his defense attorney fully expected that the bare-bones minimum he was going to get uh, put in jail for second-degree manslaughter. At the very bare-bones minimum, they should have expected that, and rightly so. But they're talking about how, you know, the city of Minneapolis, there's no way they could expect to get a fair trial there, given the very tense and hostile environment, and given that's where George Floyd was killed. And then, of course, the $27 million payout that the city council voted to give to George Floyd's family, you know, because of the death of George Floyd, that certainly would have an impact on the jury. It's like, well, the city ponied up $27 million. Um, so, yeah, you know, that probably signals very strongly that uh, you know that he was guilty. Uh, but another story has come up where uh, it's kind of thrown a monkey wrench into things. This is from thehill.com. Uh, a juror who voted to convict former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin of murdering George Floyd is defending his d- decision to attend a social justice demonstration last year. I've never been to D.C., Juror Brandon Mitchell told the Associated Press, referring to a march to commemorate Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. The opportunity to go to D.C., the opportunity to be around thousands and thousands of black people, I just thought it was a good opportunity to be a part of something, he added. A photo of Mitchell at the event was recently recirculated by critics who suggested he was not an impartial member of the jury panel. During the jury selection process, the Associated Press noted all jurors were asked two questions as part of a jury selection questionnaire. Did you or someone close to you participate in any of the demonstrations or marches against police brutality that took place in Minneapolis after George Floyd's death? The first asked. With the second asking, other than what you have already described above, have you or anyone close to you participated in protests about police use of force or police brutality? Mitchell reportedly answered no to both questions. Now, he's been bullish on this. This juror, again, he came out gave his name, Brandon Mitchell. That's probably where I got the name Brandon, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I kept calling my board up Brandon earlier. Um, he's maintaining that, look, this was the anniversary of Martin Luther King actually marching in Washington. That's why I was there. This was not a social justice protest. This was not a protest against police brutality. I did not misrepresent myself, except except there was a photo circulating from that march on Washington of Brandon Mitchell with a picture of Martin Luther King saying, your knee off our necks. Very obvious uh, reference to the George Floyd incident where Officer Chauvin had his knee on George Floyd's neck. Now, again, nobody 
is going to excuse what Officer Chauvin did. The vast majority of people who saw that video were sickened by it and said there was no reason for that. Uh, Even the members of the police department who testified in the Chauvin trial agreed that was excessive force. Even someone who's supposed to be there as a key defense witness unwittingly uh, spoke out against that use of force. So no one's denying that the knee on the neck was the wrong thing. But the problem is that could very well spell the fact that Brandon Mitchell was not an impartial juror and that he possibly misrepresented himself on those questionnaires. Again, that's all going to be part of the appeals process. That, along with, again, being in the city of Minneapolis, the $27 million payout, dollar payout to George Floyd's family just before the trial, the comments of Congresswoman Maxine Waters when she was here in Brooklyn Center a few weeks ago, President Biden just before the verdict came out saying that he's praying for the right verdict and the evidence is overwhelming what the verdict should be. All of that is going to come into play. So um, this was not helpful. Is this the key part of the appeal, what this juror did and the T-shirt he was wearing? I wouldn't say it's the key part of it, but it's definitely not helpful and could possibly result in a new trial. Folks, I'm out. AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. As always, I've enjoyed it. Godspeed, my friends. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Hope you have a blessed day and a blessed week. Closing time. Turn off. I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It It was was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable. So don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could Could I I have have EPI? EPI? Sponsored by AbbVie. Daisy sheds like crazy. Our hairballs have hairballs. Our cat mama, she has dandruff and an oily coat. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I was thrilled when I heard Dynavite for Cats was coming out. You love your pets as much as I do. You want to do what's best for them. Dynavite is a life changer. Lately, she's been a lot more playful, a lot more energetic, more active. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your cat will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. High school sports are as American as apple pie. And going to a game or meet is a chance to see the stars of tomorrow shine today. But as anybody who's ever attended a high school sporting event in Minnesota knows, you can't have the stars without the stripes. High schools are currently looking for new officials in almost every sport. Who looks good in stripes? Anybody looking for a way to stay connected to a sport they love If you like the idea of giving back to your community while earning a few extra bucks, chances are you'd look good in stripes too. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. No officials means no games. No stripes means no stars. And what kind of America would that be? 
Minnesota needs more high school officials. Go to highschoolofficials.com to sign up or learn more. That's highschoolofficials.com. Get that Rack Shack attack, Rack Shack barbecue. To do you right, we take time for a barbecue flavor that will blow your mind. Get that Rack Shack attack, oh, Rack Shack barbecue. Make fresh daily cater to you. Homemade sauces, secret rubs too. It's America's food and the right thing to do. Get that Rack Shack attack, Rack Shack barbecue. Ooh. AM 1280.